Hi, this is Mike. This is Russ. And this is Matt. And you're listening to the Empty Spiral podcast, the official podcast of the Lacunical community. It is Thursday. Thursday, isn't it? For such a long week. Thursday, the 23rd of February. Uh, and we're recording episode 123 of the podcast. As always, I have my compadres with me. Uh, so we start off with Russ. See how you are. How you are? How you doing, Russ? What have you been up to? Me, I'm good. Um, I've seemingly gone back to my thrash metal days this week. I've been listening to a hell of a lot of Slayer, a lot of Slayer. And as we know on this podcast between the three of us, you can never have too much Slayer. It's, so, the, answer, um, it's the answer to everything, Slayer. It is. It is. The answer to every pub quiz is clearly Slayer. So <laughs> aside from that, I've just literally um, splashed some cash out and picked up the um, Sepultura vinyl box set. So I'll be uh, continuing my fresh mail route into the weekend. Wow, very good. What, what brought that on then? I don't know. I just thought, oh, I'm really missing some Slayer. I was watching some Metallica. I've been listening to the new record quite a lot, and I thought, oh, I want to go back to listening to something a bit more thrashy. Megadeth, all right. Never been a fan of Anthrax, and, you know, Slayer, when it's going hard and it's heavy and it's thrash, there's no better band than Slayer, let's be honest. Mm, very true. Very, very true. Yeah, I have seen a few status updates from you this week with a few musicians, shall we say, some bands that are haven't seen you listen to for a while thinking oh okay fair enough he's choosing something a bit different that's all been about, about thrash the old music for you this week thrash week thrash week in russell's town <laughs> what about you mike what have you been up to this week um nothing really just work and then i've finished today till tuesday because i'm going to italy tomorrow so that'll be fun oh where are you going hopefully uh i'm going to milan tomorrow awesome how long are you going for uh till monday afternoon so my friend lives on the outskirts, um, so I'm flying to see her and then open book, really, for the weekend and see what happens. Oh, fantastic. Well, you have a great time. Yes, thank if you. Anybody I know, give 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 them my regards. Yep, hopefully uh, we'll do. And um, hopefully we'll get a full report from your adventures next week. Yes, lots fantastic. of beer. Lots of beer, indeed. Have fun, mate. Yeah, thank you. As for me, it's been a pretty quiet week, actually. It's been a positive week at work. Made a lot of progress in... Some of the bigger things that we need to sort out in my workplace. Uh, but at home, I've tried to start on my Netflix slash Amazon list. I think I got halfway through Man in the High Castle season two, part one, before I had to stop and do something else. So that's about as good as it's got for me. Uh, I did have a moment on Monday where I, I really wanted to play a first person shooter. And I. Doom. Had, yeah, Doom. No, no, it wasn't Doom. I played. Call of Duty Black Ops um, on the PlayStation 3, because I still haven't got around to getting a PlayStation 4 yet, or an Xbox One or whatever they're called. Uh, and because I used to be massively in a first-person shooter, so I, you know, Counter-Strike and Viet Cong and the original Call of Duty, Unreal Tournament, Doom, Quake, you know, that was... Duke Nukem. Duke Nukem, yeah, yeah. Castle Falk, uh, Castle Falkenstein, Castle... Castle... What was it? Wolfenstein. That's it. Wolfenstein 3D. All of that stuff. Oh my god! I always used to play these things. That was my genre. Mouse and keyboard all the way. I was in clans. We used to meet up every week and train. You know, it was like boot camp. Yeah. You <laughs> you've got 30 seconds to get from A to B on the map. We would time people. We. Oh, it was just you know really taking this shit seriously. In fact, a little bit of history for you. I gave pretty much all of that the year that I started Empty Spiral. And it was my commitment to Empty Spiral that 
basically meant me meant blah, 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 basically led me dropping out of the the clans I was in and stopped the whole first person shooting racket. Um, and at the time I was playing Viet Cong, which you guys probably don't remember, but it was as you can probably guess, it was a Vietnam-based first-person shooter. I loved it. It was really good. You could play at the Viet Cong or the US Army. Really good maps. Really good for, um, uh, capture the flag type stuff. And we really got into it. Really atmospheric. Great game. You, at the time, it was quite... I would say it was revolutionary, but it certainly was significant that it could support 64-player maps. Not that we really did it, but 32-player maps, 16 aside. Really good. You'd play for hours. Loved it, loved it, loved it. Did some things at the time Counter-Strike didn't do, like crouching and looking around corners and sort of um, crouching down behind a log and popping up to shoot, that kind of thing. More sophisticated than, let's say, the Counter-Strikes and, and similar games at the time. And I loved it. And um, We played that for ages and ages and ages. How many hundreds of hours I put into that game. We there was a, I don't know if it's still around. There was a site called Clan Base, which had all this stuff. And we were like number two, number three at clan base. And I was one of the top players at the time. This is so geeky, by the way. That's my ambition. I don't know how I got on this. So anyway, that's a long story short. I felt the need this week to have a game of um, a first-person shooter. Now, I don't have any installed on my computer anymore, so I had to rely on the console. And I'm a bit rubbish, I have to say. I'm a bit rubbish. Uh, the, uh, the These pad things don't do it for me. And for those of you who have played Call of Duty Black Ops, it's very scripted. You know, you kind of like, run after me, run after me, quick, down, shoot, right around the corner. And it was, I felt a bit like I'd been dragged through the action rather than doing it at my own pace. So, yeah, so uh, that was that was what I did. That was about an hour of that on Monday, listening to a bit of music throughout the week. And that's where I am. Oh, I'm, we, my son's still sorting out his bedroom. He's painted it. He's, he now wants to put cupboards up and stuff. So there you go. An update on me. Anyway, that was boring. So <laughs> let's talk about something more interesting. Let's look at, talk about Lacuna Coil. Uh, we're still going through the interviews that we performed way back last year. And a couple of weeks ago, we presented the interview with Richard Wolfgang, who's the lighting designer for Lacuna Coil, in an attempt to really kind of introduce our listening audience with the things that go on around the band to make the show that's not just about the music and the band will bring this whole thing together and give you a real sense of the how this is all presented so this week we're kind of following on from that with an interview with joe who is the front of house um sound engineer sound technician for lacuna coil so he's the guy that makes the sound sound like it does during the show he's the guy that's deciding whether or not there needs to be more bass less bass more vocals, less vocals, all of that kind of stuff to really give the music punch. And for anybody who's been to a lot of shows, you you definitely get to to feel and hear the difference between different sound engineers, especially if it's the same band. And, and it's fair to say that uh, we've got a very strong sound coming from Joe. Uh, and certainly all the years I've been going to see Lacuna Cola, I think it's never they've never sounded as good as they do now with him at the helm in front of house. Anyway, it's about half an hour. Uh, really good interview. Joe's never done interviews before on this subject, uh, but he, you can clearly hear that he's got a passion for it. He enjoys it and at the same time takes it in his stride. So here we go. Uh, we're sitting on the bus, we're in Glasgow, and I've got Joe with me. Hi Joe, how are you doing? I'm doing, man. So, you are the front of house sound engineer for Lacuna Coil? For the time being, yes. <laughs> yeah, I am. So, 
let's start by give us a description of what it is you do. Uh, I do their audio that comes out of the big PA for everybody to hear. Okay, very important <laughs> job. Then. Without yes. you, it would just be a load of people standing on stage. That's true. That's true. Not really doing very much. Okay, so yeah, what it would be that. <laughs> and the blind people that come out to see them don't actually see them they get to hear them there we go. so it's all about you at that point uh, now it is I had Suddenly, a point out the other day there was a beautiful little blonde lady out there a blind lady out there <laughs> so look at that so the sound is important it's not just about the lights it's not just about <laughs> yeah that's what Wolfie said he has nothing to do with the sound he said it's all about the lights exactly that's my counteraction for him now so <laughs> okay so let's um, let's first of all start out uh, what is it you do during the show so the front of house area, which, are, which is that, that part of the... What is it that I do during the show? Yeah. Well, since they put the kibosh on drinking, I actually have to work now, so... <laughs> um, well, the typical day is uh, I stand behind a desk and <laughs> I don't really do a heck of a lot. <laughs> um, there's really not much to do with these guys, mm. you know. It's, it's uh, you know, it's... Um, Everybody always asks for the technical side of it, and I tell them, and it's just, there's nothing. I don't do anything. That's mm. it. I just keep it from blowing up the PA and I mix the band. That's so it. what does that mean? I mean, you make it sound well, simple, but for people that are sound um, engineers, let's see. Understand you know, a lot of bands that uh, I've been involved in, Cradle of Filth, a good one, you know, I used to do front of house for Cradle of Filth, and, um, you know, it, it's... It, it, they're more of obviously a tech metal band than, than Lacuna really is, you know, and uh, especially now that Lacuna's got one guitar player, you know, the whole approach of it is completely different now as before with, uh, you know, the guys and trying to go a little bit more commercial, um, you know, it was a lot of compression, a lot of, you know, just really a lot of fine-tuning the, uh, the sounds, um, and now it's just you know, I let everything breathe. You know, it's mm. it's. I really don't do much of anything in terms of uh, <coughs> uh, anything really technical with the band. You know, mm. uh, before um, you know, uh, really the only thing technically I do, uh, you know, is um, mainly with the drums. Everything else I just let it breathe, and uh, it, with the drums, it's not much either. Uh, you know, aside from a little. Uh, a little equalization on the uh, on the kick drum. Uh, everything else is basically left wide open and just bust into a group and compressed like crazy. Hmm. Well, you must be doing something right because the guys in the band are always telling me how you make them sound so good on stage. Well, a lot of it has to do with them, really. Well, <laughs> people, take, you know, I'm not taking anything from them. They're, <laughs> they're always saying, "Oh, Joe's great. You know, the, the sound is so big and so huge." Because you just got to let it breathe. You know, that's the thing. You know, Mark is such a such a bass heavy driven band. You know, with the low end. You know, that it's just you know, if you really over approach it, you know, you're just killing the life out of out mm. of the band, man. Mm. You know, and that's really what we're not trying to do here anymore. You know, as with other bands that I would mix, you know, it's all about just really having. Uh, you know, control over everything, and you know, uh, really just you know, dynamically squashing the life out of it. Basically, with a lot of, especially the metal bands, you know, it's just get it going, EQ the crap out of it, mm. comp the hell out of it, and you know, it just doesn't have any room to breathe. And especially with Christina's voice, you know, that's uh, you know, it's very important because she has such a dynamic range that you have to leave. 
you really have to leave it open, you know. Mm. You, you can't really a- approach it with really, uh, you know, EQing the crap out of everything. If, you know, Ryan's a great drummer. Uh, you know, for example, uh, you know, when Chicho was in a band who, uh, you know, I love him to death, um, but he had a very different playing style than, uh, than Ryan. And uh, you'd really have to attack the drums with a, a lot of equalization and, uh, you know, really just comping and gating the heck out of those drums, you know. And uh, with Mouse and Pizza, uh, you know, together on guitars, because they had the same identical tone, basically, you know, the same head, same tone. It's just, you know, without really, uh, you know, EQing everything out and really kind of squashing it up a bit, it just ended up being a just a big loud mess you know yeah just a big mess but now that you know uh before even with mouse mouse when it was just uh just mouse playing we kind of left it open a little bit more but i attacked that a lot differently than i do with uh dd because mouse was still i'm not a fan of line six stuff at all and that's what the band was using for a while and um you know at, at one point i had you know i was miking up we, we were running stereo mm. and um out of two cabinets, and I would mic both cabinets, and then we're taking a DI line out of the uh, out of the guitars there. But with DDs on those Black Stars now, so it's just stick a mic in front of it and turn it on. Brilliant. That's it. <laughs> it's really. So when when the um, when the band turn up and the, the crew and everybody turns up at a venue, uh, I've heard from Wolfie there's a lot of work getting all the lights set up and everything, and then there's a sound check. So what? T- take me through what's happening during the sound check. Oh, well, we'll get our. Basically, our day is, uh, you know, get the gear in. Uh, for the, this is the first tour that I've not carried my own, uh, my own microphones with me. The only thing I'm carrying is uh, the kick drum mics, because um, I'm pretty specific about uh, about what I want on the, uh, you know, as far as the kick goes, uh, mm. the type of sound, and um, you know, so that's pretty important to me. Uh, um, basically, the day to day, you know, you would get the gear in. Um, you know, I'd spend. Uh, you know, once uh, once backline goes up, I'd spend uh, a bit of time, um, you know, miking uh, miking everything up. Um, you know, we tap through the mics, make sure they're all working. Um, you know, I'll tune out the uh, I'll tune out the PA. Yeah. Um, you know, that's that's probably one of the biggest uh, the biggest challenges with uh, doing this kind of circuit, where you're not carrying your, you know all your own mics and uh, you know even your own desk. You know, as simple as that is, where it's you know the job is you got to make them. And every room is obviously uh, specific to the next, um, but you know sometimes it's a tedious, especially with this guy. <laughs> ciao, Didi. Ciao, ciao. Everything's okay. Yeah, yeah man. Cool. Just talking about you. About what? Your music and you know, sound. How terrible you sound and how good it is <laughs> that I'm there to make it all better for you. <laughs> you later. Yeah, I'll see you later. later. Um, uh, you know, so the biggest challenge is really trying to get the band to sound like they did the night before, you know, and, and the day before that and the day before that. When we were on uh, the Megadeth tour, um, Claire Brothers was providing the, the PA. So we had the same rig every day, the, you know, identical. We had uh, the same desks, the same PA, the same mics, same everything every single day. And, you know, it's so much easier that way because it's already dialed in. And, um, you know, especially when you're playing the big arenas, you know, it's just... They all sound exactly the same, uh, but some of these rooms can be really challenging. Uh, uh, so you know, my my job is really you know get in there and you know kind of fine tune the PA out and try to get it uh, you know balanced out like it did. You know, I try to get the room as flat as possible. How does um, that take today? 
Hmm? How, how many hours does that take today? Sometimes it takes five minutes. Sometimes, you know, I'm at it for, you know, 45 minutes, walking the room, you know, pouncing. I look today, uh, uh, today I'm mixing from the balcony, so it's a lot of uh, a lot of running downstairs, listening to what's going on down mm-hmm. there, running back upstairs. You know, it's a whole different uh, different world between being up in the balcony and being on the floor. So mm-hmm. that typically takes about 45 minutes. Uh, and then uh, once I've got the rig tuned out, um, we do a line check. You know, um, um, you know, uh, Dave David will come up and uh, you know. Gonna check a couple of guitars. We'll get the tones in. Um, yeah. I'm gonna check the bass. Uh, Ryan runs through the drums, um, and then band comes up and sound checks. And you know, I really don't usually pay too much attention at sound check. A big empty room, you know, it's just it, it all changes by the time people get in there. It's because like cause the addition of people just yeah, totally yeah, changes. Yeah, you know, the like room. the other day, uh, <coughs> uh, where the heck were we? Um, oh, I can't remember where we were. That must have been um, London, perhaps. No, no, London was amazing. That was a wonderful gig. Coca's is such a great venue. Uh, Newcastle, I Birmingham. Guess it, yeah, it must have been Birmingham. Yeah, because you were downstairs in Birmingham rather than the upstairs. Place. That was really, that was where front house was really tight, and you were trying to find a place to put the mic, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, that place was. We used to do the upstairs room there. I don't know why we were down there. I think they had another show booked on the upstairs, but. Uh, you know, at Soundcheck, it was interesting because, um, you know, the, the characteristic of the room, it was so completely different to when people were in there. It was like, you know, when we Soundcheck, it was super bright and you just want to like, you know, ah, this is painful. And then people filled it up and it's like you lost all the brightness, but you got all this mud coming off the stage that you couldn't even do anything about, you know. And, uh, you know, one thing I don't like to do with uh, with these guys is, uh, you know, blast people's ears out anymore, no. you know. Um, I really try to stay away from the super loud, you know, insane shows, uh, you know, don't tell Marco that, but, you know, it's, uh, um, you know, as long as, uh, as long as it's good and thick out there, you know, it's going to be perceived as loud, you know. What can you do, you know, if you do find a situation like that, is it possible to, to draw something back? When it's all coming off the stage, there's just nothing you can do about it, you know, and except turn the PA up and just try to get it louder than what's actually, you know, coming off the stage. Mm -hmm. It was just a weird characteristic of that room that just made it awful for me. People seem to enjoy it, so, you know, it did not, you know, it could have just been where I was sat, but, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, at that point, it's just, you know, turn it up and try to get over the, the, you know, clankiness of the room, and uh, that's, it's not always good, you know. From a, from a sound perspective, what's been the best place on the tour for you so Coco's definitely really yeah Coco's was, it's got a tall seat now I thought that so made it quite hollow beautiful you know that's just an amazing room you know it's a proper theater the way it's set up in there you know um you would think being higher like that it would kind of cause a lot of problems but it does it's just beautiful in there man mm. I, I mean I guess they got a lot of treatment up you know it's sound treatments mm-hmm. in the room but yeah Coco's on this run was probably uh probably the best one so far okay live club in uh in milan will be good too mm. that's yeah, really I've good been there that's always yeah good, yeah good that's always a great sounding room so how long have you been doing this for lacuna coil, lacuna coil been with uh almost 10 years now man you know give or take i think i came on with them in 2008 maybe okay it was the disturbed right after the disturbed run i'm thinking that was 2008 they were taking lights. Uh, I was renting lighting to Wolfie at that particular time. I can't remember if I started on that tour afterwards. It's been almost 10 years now. 
been pretty close. Mm. <laughs> um, and what do you do when you're not doing this? Well, anymore, nothing. <laughs> um, uh, before I moved out of uh, out of New Jersey, I was in a lot of local clubs there. You know, I was doing a lot of work in New York City. Uh, I had my company there too, so I had an audio company that we were putting out. I mean, it was constantly busy in uh, in New yeah. York City doing stuff, and then uh, decided to kind of kind of move south, man. Getting sick of the winter, but there's not much uh, work for it down there. Mm. Um, Occasionally, I'll go over to uh, the Masquerade in uh, in Atlanta and do work there, which they're closing down now. So that kind of shoots that out. Uh, I think just pick up tours every now and again. Um, I'm starting to get a uh, uh, starting to tour less and less, you know, mm. lately. I'm just, you know trying to figure out ways to you know make the equivalent uh, and sit home, man. You know, <laughs> it gets tired. I've been touring now since uh, started touring when I was 16 years old. So. What is that? Twenty-two years now, man. Wow, <laughs> it's a long time. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's let's rewind the clock back a long way. Um, how did you choose to become a, a sound engineer? I wow. didn't, man. <laughs> I did not choose this uh, this path. It chose me. Uh, I used to play in a band. Back, uh, back in big '80s hairband, and uh, uh, we ended up, um, we ended up losing. Uh, they ended up losing their their record deal, and um, you know, we just kind of played the whole circuit. And I ended up buying some uh, uh, some audio and lighting gear. Yep. And uh, and I figured, like, oh, we'll just go out and do our own shows, man. We got lights, we got audio now. This is really cool. And then another band came up to me and was like, hey, that's you know, can I rent that stuff? I can make money out of this? Yeah, all right. <laughs> so I sent that out, and then um, I got uh, basically started when I was, um, I guess, I guess I was 18, 18 or 19, hmm. um, and I got a, uh, an install with a, with a club in Jersey uh, at a place called Obsessions, and uh, that's basically where it just cut my teeth. I blew up a lot of PAs there, man, and, uh, <laughs> you know definitely broke a lot of gear and uh it just started from there and uh um uh, basically i answered an ad on something i don't even remember what it was and uh this band hansel and gretel needed some lights to take out on the road so i went out with them and took some lights with me and that was the name of that game ended up meeting a couple other people and one thing happens from there and it's really where it goes man you know and now i'm here with you <laughs> yeah man which is great you know i love it man it's uh you know that's just it's a great great situation you know and i've got really good uh, you know love doing what i'm doing you know and mm. i love this uh what's the best part of it <laughs> not having the responsibility of life <laughs> um man what is the best part of it really i mean it's uh it's not sitting at an office man you know mm. it's not you make your uh you make your own way and you know i really like that you know it's just one of those jobs uh you know unless the music industry really really changes drastically which you know it's done a lot of you know i mean even the rates that uh 
you know, the pay we used to get, you know, back in the day isn't anything like we get anymore nowadays. It's just everybody's doing it, you know, and now with, especially with digital desks, you know, all these kids are, you know, everybody knows how to use this stuff, man. Mm. And, uh, uh, you know, it's getting pretty cutthroat now, but um, uh, I get to go to work, man, and I love, I just love it, man. You get good people, you know, you're surrounded by, you know, just things you love. Music is, you know, it's everything about me, man. And, mm. uh, you know, not everybody gets to wake up every day and do this, so, you know, that's definitely, uh, you know, I don't hate my job. <laughs> you know, and there's definitely times where it's like, man, I don't want to be here right now, mm-hmm. I'd much rather be home, but, you know, it's with everything, you know, so at one point, you know, at some point it does turn into a job for a little bit, you know, <laughs> but... What long as you buy into the lifestyle of the touring and seeing different places every day and sometimes not knowing where you are well you know there's definitely that a lot of the times i'll walk out and not have a clue where i am you know this is one of the biggest uh you know questions i always get oh man it must be so amazing to tour the world you get to see everything you know my response is always i've been to paris 20 times never seen the eiffel tower (laughs) not once so you know it's not a vacation you know it's definitely not a vacation i mean don't get me wrong you know it's not everybody gets to go to france for their for their work or travel to Australia or go to Japan or you know I mean I've been on every continent uh, you know in this world aside from uh, you know Antarctica hmm. that's pretty cool man yeah, <laughs> you know very cool. and uh, you know it didn't cost me a dime to do it so <laughs> that's another beneficial part of it you know aside from the fact that you don't want anybody joining the industry because it makes your life become increasingly cutthroat what oh, yeah. advice would you give to people who wanted to, to do uh, what you do just man you know if it just do what you love man you know a lot of the times you find in this industry you know that you know the job chooses you man you know I always see this with a lot of people where they've set out to do one thing in this business and end up doing something completely different which is just equally as rewarding you know Um, there's real no set advice to really get people you know who who want to get into this other than uh you know if this is what you want to do just do it man Mm. there's nothing stopping you these days you know Mm. uh you know uh, find a you know find a uh you know find a band (laughs) ask them go that's it you know um I don't really have much use for, uh, you know, uh, schools may be good, I don't really know, you know, uh, I've had a couple kids come from a, a particular live engineering schools that they've gone to, I won't really mention names, and, you know, it's a whole different world, I can't prepare you for what happens out here, you know, it's just, uh, you could know everything there is to know about live sound, but, you know, the, the, the biggest thing that I find is that if you're not technically sound, you're just you're going to lose your mind, you know. Do you need that ear? You just, you know, you've got to have an ear for it, really, surely. I mean, you talk about sound like it's a, like a living thing that you can almost see the way you describe it. It's an interesting thing. I mean, I never went to school for it. I still don't claim to know what the heck I'm doing. Like I said, I've been doing it for 20 years, but, you know, every day I'm learning a new trick or a new technique. You know, I've developed some of my own, you know, little tricks for doing, uh, for doing certain things. Mm. Uh, um... You, you, oddly enough, I'm deaf in one ear, basically. Um, you know, a couple of years ago, I was out with uh, Cradle of Filth uh, doing a job for them, uh, doing a tour with them, and uh, um, 
one of the support bands uh, was having a problem with their, their monitor situation and uh, I'd gone up to give them a hand and uh, this was just kind of when the digital stuff was starting to take over so the venue had an analog desk and this digital EQ system and uh, the EQ system had locked up so it wasn't passing any audio through the wedges so we we're having this problem and uh, silly me you know i'm trying to listen like what's happening you know is this monitor blown out or something so just as i went to go put my ear down to this monitor and the uh house uh the venue uh monitor engineer had kind of hit the reset button oh man it was about 140 decibels of just 1k tone right into my ear man it was crazy i was just dizzy man i started bleeding out of my ear man and they sent me to the hospital it was crazy so i've lost a lot of hearing out of uh, out of my one ear and uh as crazy as it sounds it's actually improved uh you know my mix for some strange reason <laughs> i don't know why that is right man. strange sometimes right? <laughs> you know what it is now certain frequencies really really bother my ear they make it kind of freak out mm -hmm. and uh so it's interesting these uh, you know these frequencies i will chop out of the uh just instinctively will chop out of the so you've PA. essentially developed superpower possibly you know uh it doesn't work for every band though that's the problem uh but for this band uh you know lacuna particularly like i said with christina's voice um she's such a dynamic singer that uh you know i really kind of have to pro uh, approach the myth almost around her you know mm. um she you know she can go from extreme you know just a powerful voice to just you know she she likes to kind of whisper at some points too and uh you know so when you've got a singer who's you know has such a dynamic range like that and uh you know um you really you can pick up a lot of crap off the stage and especially on these some of these shows where they're not you know very big stages uh mm -hmm. so to speak uh, um you know or where she's uh you know close to the you know even when we go out on supports where she's pretty close to the to the drums it's a, it's a big problem mm -hmm. for her and for me because you just get all that bleed through in the microphone so uh you know a lot of guys will look at me like i'm nuts because i'll start ended up chopping out everything from like 3.15 uh you know up to about 10k on the uh, on the graph on the pa and uh you know it's interesting everybody's like oh what are you doing man that's it's not it's not right you know <laughs> I was, don't worry about it man just leave me be but it's interesting because it works out in a real good thing because it's such a bass heavy band mm. that by chopping all those highs out you just get that much more perceived low end out of the rig mm. so you get a lot of house guys will start you know coming up like oh yeah you're you're killing my subs dude <laughs> promise i'm not even touching them man they'll come back like oh that's not even touching them yeah i know man <laughs> you know so I got a final question for you, James. Yeah. So um, when I spoke, I asked a similar kind of question to to Wolfie about lights, and he said, you know, people need to step back and see the lights. If they're right in front of the stage, because they're close to the, the performers, they're close to the band, but they can't see the spectacle that is the lights. So from a sound perspective, where should people stand in your concerts? Oh, well. Honestly, the best day in a lot of rooms, it's uh, it's difficult to really say. You know, there's uh, each room's got a you know got a deficiency to it, but um, usually, uh, you know, it's really hard to say. It really, really is. I mean, I wouldn't. Uh, 
I wouldn't stand right up on the stage. Uh, you know, one of the biggest problems that we uh, we encounter is um, a lot of these venues don't have uh, front fills. So, uh, you know, front fill is more like uh, you have your main PA, then you've got some speakers, your infills, front fills, whatever you want to call them, uh, you know, and that'll kind of be angled a little bit more inwards. So, uh, you know, the people dead center, the front row, the first couple rows can hear what's going on, you know. Uh, Sometimes, uh, you know, we'll lay them across the front of the stage, but we just don't have the luxury for those on a, uh, a lot of these shows right now. And uh, Christina and Andrea are both on in-ears, hence there's no vocals on the stage. So you get a lot of people who are standing, you know, dead center, you know, at that front line or just freaking, oh, I can't hear the vocals, I can't hear the... <laughs> you know, and you're nowhere near the PA, of course not, you know. Mm. Uh, so that's... Uh, that's the biggest problem so i mean if you want to see the band and be up close and you know kind of get a shitty sounding show stand at the front of the stage man you know i get that but that's uh you know it's a whole different thing you know but there's something to be said with that too you know mm. where you're just getting the whole experience there um and there's nobody in front of you and there's nobody in front of you which yeah. is cool too yeah. uh you know yeah, I, generally speaking, I'd always say the center of the room is probably the best place to, to really be at. Dead center of the room, back, you know, closer to the front of the house position, depending on where that is. Um, but again, it really depends on the room. Like Coco's, man, there wasn't a bad, there wasn't a bad spot in that no, in that theater. True. You can go anywhere in there, and it sounds great. Uh, uh, today will be a challenge. <laughs> um, Live club, always, it's always great at live club, too. I mean, I've just, this is where it comes down to on this. You know, some venues just have great sound systems and great sounding rooms. And it doesn't matter. And others, you got to play with it. Some yeah. of them just don't, you know. Um, you know, to one of today's challenge, and we'll see what happens. I mean, it's a good... Uh, ticket sales are pretty good today. Um, but it's just a very lively room, man. So... Uh, you know that's gonna that's gonna have some challenges today. Oh, I mean, I I could feel a kind of a reverb on, yeah. on the floor during sound check. Yeah. It was really, it's it, bad. It, it you was, know, it was kind of hitting that pitch where you start to feel your bones. Yeah, it just kind of goes to your bones, yeah. and that's you know, and it, it's it's funny, you know, because normally you know uh, if. For the most part, I, again, I don't like to mix lacuna coil all, all that loud, you know. At mm. that, at most, you know, I'll I'll sit about a hundred and. 103 decibels uh, at, at front of house at most and that's really kind of pushing it for me uh, you know I just like it really clean with those guys anymore um, but you know, situations like today where it's like you know the room's just so lively and I'm looking down at the desk going like man I'm not even touching it's like a vocal PA today man I'm not even touching this thing and it's a big room and there's plenty 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 of power but by the time you start pushing it to get up over that liveliness you just you're gonna kill people's ears man you know we want them to keep coming back yeah, not going to hospital. Yeah, yeah, okay. absolutely. Joe, thank you very much. Oh, man, uh, thank it's, you. It's been a great chat. Uh, I've learned a lot, and hopefully the listeners have as well. Excellent. Uh, it's always good talking to you, mate. Yeah, and, uh, I hope you enjoy the rest of the talk. No, thank you. Thanks, mate. <laughs> Dude, thank you for that, <laughs> man. Appreciate it. Thank Cheers. you. Thank you again to Joe for taking the time uh, in the bus at Glasgow to give us an interview, talk us through how the sound all comes together and makes the, 
Max Lacunacor, sound as bombastic and huge in sound as they do at the moment. Thank you again. Well, that brings us on to our review this week. We are working our way through Delirium, as always, and we've arrived at Ghost in the Mist. So, Russ, do you want to take us through your thoughts on Ghost in the Mist? Boom, Ghost in the Mist. Well, let's start with this one. It comes straight out of the blocks with this. Um, It's heavy musically, vocally. Uh, I would probably say, I'll, I'll discuss the music first. I think this is probably the most simplistic song and riff that Lakunikov ever actually put out. And that's not to detract from it, because sometimes the most simple songs are the best songs. And I think the fact that it's just alternate, really, really quick picking, adds such a heaviness to the song, especially with the way that Andrea delivers his vocal performance. And it's probably one of my favourite vocal performances from Andrea, probably ever, certainly on, on the record, just with the, the sheer aggression of it. And obviously he comes out of the blocks of the, you know, get out of my face. And then you've got the Christina vocals, and it's sort of, we discussed it many times, it's the, the dual vocal trade-off of the Beauty and the Beast. And I think with Andrea going back to his sort of, dare I say, almost death metal roots with this song, it packs a really, really heavy punch with the way the guitar line is. Um, if I was going to pick a song off Delirium that would sound great live with like the two guitars to sound like, you know, a proper old schooler, this mm-hmm. would be the one. Um, and I just think that, Christina complements his vocals perfectly with the way she sort of goes into the choruses and the verses. And it's just one of those real, real chugging. There's not very often Lacuna Cole do a simple linear 4 4 chugging song, but this is this is it. And they basically executed it perfectly. So I think for what it's designed to do, where it's placed on the album and how it fits live, it's just a, it packs a punch, it hits you in the face, and it's really energetic live. So I think it, it ticks all the boxes for what this song is designed to do. Okay. Very good. Thanks, Russ. Mike, what do you think of uh, Ghost in the Mist? Indeed. I, I I second what you just said. As as the line goes, what the hell is going on from start to finish? It slaps you in the face and it is pretty pretty heavy throughout and that works really well. Lyrically, I think it's very strong. It is quite a long song. It goes on, um, which some people may see as being repetitive, but I think that works. Um, I think that the the standoff between um, both Andrea and Christina, as Russ has mentioned, um, works very well and complements the song. And musically, I think it's very good. So thumbs up from me. Thumbs up from you as well. Okay. Yeah, this is an interesting one for me because I think this is when I look, when I listen to Lacuna Core music now, especially with so many albums, you know, in their back catalogue. I'm especially comparing the, the new music with the old then if you guys do this and i and i'm kind of finding myself thinking what part of their um what part of their back catalog does back catalog i should say does this reside in i know that's probably an unfair statement to make but but i always feel that there's always a hook with a, a part of their this the changing style that this kind of relates to it's, i'm not saying it that this song or any of their new songs should i'm not really making myself very clear <laughs> i'm not saying they should go on other albums but i always kind of compare it and i think okay well that one sounds a bit like a song from in a reverie or that one sounds a bit like a bit of a song from 
Broken Crown Halo or something. And this one, because of the nature of the structure of the song, feels to me like it sits in a kind of a karma code, shallow life kind of place. I don't know. It's, it, it, it feels like it's slightly more, I want to say radio friendly, but that doesn't, that makes it, that sounds negative. That's a little unfair. Um, but that's kind of where I see it, I suppose. You touched on it originally, Russ. I definitely think this is Andrea's song. The growl vocals throughout make the song for me. I think even more subtly, his accompaniment in the chorus that Christina sings, where she sort of, I wander unseen, and then he says, compromise, I've lost in the mist, going blind. That kind of thing really adds a sense of dimension. And, and it's one of the times that, Throughout Delirium, when I listen to it, I think the two voices are acting in unison and working really well together. Insofar that there's a lot of times through the album where they have separate parts in the song and they're not directly accompanying each other. And this time, I, I, this one, it, it came out to me. I, I noticed it quite clearly and I really like that. Um, I think the the drumming is really good on this. I really like the way that Ryan does the drums. Uh, it really kind of adds a sense of pace. I would say that the I prefer the... The verses to the chorus, I think they, they, there's a better structure there. Um, there's a familiar line to the structure of the song, which I think develops well throughout. Lyrically, it feels to me like it's about being um, invisible, being unwanted, being unloved or untouched or unnoticed, something like that. Like you're that literal ghost in the mist. No one's going to see you. You're, you're, you're living your life without anybody making any commentary on it or you're you know you're you're locked in this almost cell and you're not fit you're feeling quite trapped um it's quite a powerful message there actually and I, and I think that comes across very strongly um i would say as much as i like the song and this is going to sound negative but it, it really isn't meant to i do think it's a song that's where each of the individual parts of the song whether it's andrea's vocals christina's vocals the lyrics the music the guitars they're all really good and they all feel individually a little stronger than the overall composition. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this doesn't make it a bad song, but it's just, I just notice each of them separately more so than I do in other songs. Like the song isn't, hasn't come together as perfectly as it could with the strength of the parts that make it up, but it's still a really good song and I really love it live. I think I, I actually, just before we recorded the podcast today, I've gone through and I've just created the MP4 to upload to Facebook for the Ghost in the Mist Glasgow show. So I'll make sure that goes up at the same time the podcast goes up so you get to see the live experience. Um, really strong live as well. Um, overall, really, really good song. Russ, what are you going to give it in terms of numbers? This is a hard one for me. It sits somewhere between a 7.5 and an 8. So I don't know if I can technically have 7.75, but it's in that region. Come on. You you know what Mike's on this. He's probably going to give it 7.75 yeah, and a quarter. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll, purely on the strength of how much I like Andrea's vocal on this, I'll push it to an 8. Okay. So 8 out of 10 for you. What about you, Mike? Uh, strong 7. Strong seven. Is that is a strong seven a seven point five, Mister Dyer? Or uh, no, no, just uh, <laughs> seven point three nine. <laughs> Fair enough. Seven from you. Uh, I agree with Russ on this. I think this is a worthy eight out of ten. Uh, probably an eight and a half out of ten for a live performance, but we're not rating it on its live performance. But I definitely think that um, that eight out of ten works for it. 
So there we go. Eight out of ten. A strong seven from Mike, and an eight <laughs> out of ten from me. Ghost in the Mist. Great song. Okay, well, that brings us to a close uh, this week on the Empty Spiral podcast. Don't forget that you can get in touch with us through all the normal channels, through our Facebook page, through our Twitter feed, at the Empty Spiral website itself. Uh, reach out to us if you want to be on the podcast. Uh, we're always happy to have new folks on. Join us for a little bit of a listen and a chat. Uh, and we hope that you um, take time to reach out to us. Uh, so I guess the next time we come together, Mike will have been to Italy and back. So we look forward to hearing about your adventure uh, on the mm-hmm. continent, Mike. Uh, yep. Hopefully, Russ will have completed all of Slayer's back catalogue. Uh, as of well course. as well as at least two listens of the Sepultura box set. God hates us all. <laughs> and maybe just maybe I might have got through a whole episode of something off of Netflix or, or Amazon Prime. Uh, but for everybody else, I hope you continue to listen to as much Lacuna Call as possible. And we'll speak to you very soon. Thanks, everybody. Cheers, everyone. Ciao a tutti. <laughs>